Welcome to the Flanders DC Talks, a podcast with inspiring talks from our past events. Flanders DC is the organization for design companies and fashion labels from Flanders. Hello, I'm Stefan from Flanders DC. In this podcast, we listen back to a conversation between Raf Simons and Alexander Fury. Today, we all know Raf Simons as one of the most acclaimed fashion designers. In 2017, for instance, Raf was named Designer of the Year by the CFDA Fashion Awards, by the British Fashion Council, and by the Belgian Fashion Awards. But in the beginning of the 90s, no one could have suspected that this young man, born in Neerbelt, Belgium, a graduate in industrial and furniture design, would climb to such heights in the fashion industry. In 1991, he was an intern at Walter van Berendonck, and it's there that his interest in fashion began to grow. By 1995, he had launched his men's label, heavily inspired by youth subculture and music. In 2005, Raf Simons was appointed as creative director for Jill Sander, a position he would leave in 2012 when he became creative director of women's wear at Dior. In 2016, Calvin Klein announced Simon's appointment as their chief creative officer, but this collaboration ended two years later after Calvin Klein decided on a new brand direction. After this episode, Raf took some time back in Belgium to reflect and reorientate. At our own Fashion Talks conference in Antwerp in November 2019, Raf Simons appeared for his first on-stage interview after departing with Calvin Klein and sat down with fashion journalist Alexander Fury for a lengthy conversation. Raf talked about creativity, the fashion industry, and what it means to be a fashion designer today. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Raf, for joining us. Thank um, you. We don't have very much time, and I have a lot of questions for you, as always. So I'm going to start <laughs> straight away. Um, my first question is, what do you feel is the role of a fashion designer today, both, I guess, in a business sense, in a practical sense, but also in an ideological sense? I think that if I have to, if I have to give a very honest answer, I think the role is to create solely. Mm. Unfortunately, I think with the way everything has evolved, we have to be involved with way more, way more things. Um, but I think that the core, the core should be to create beauty, to create desire, um, to create a landscape for yourself where you can have a dialogue with an audience that can relate to it, that mm. desires that. So it becomes a, a constant non-physical dialogue, because mm -hmm. obviously you don't talk with your audience very much. So I think that, you know, the, the, the second part of the question, maybe this is the more ideology mm -hmm. aspect of it, but I think that so many things have evolved over so many years that definitely the period of the designer being isolated in a creative bubble as how we have seen it, I think, very much in the 20th century, mm -hmm. is maybe practically almost non-existing anymore. And I think the digital explosion created a lot of um, questions mm -hmm. for designers to see how to handle all the different aspects. Obviously, there was a sustainability aspect, the marketing aspect. Thinking about this night here, I keep thinking about a person that I know is a close friend who graduated 
actually uh, showing in this building. Uh, his name is Peter de Potter. Uh, he's an incredible creative person. And he said when he was in this uh, building showing for the academy, he said, fashion is the new pop. And I think everybody thought like, you're like completely crazy. Yeah. And I think it's true. Mm. I think it became pop in the general meaning of the word. Literal, because lots of pop music people become fashion designers these days. But also pop, more in the meaning of being popular. Yeah. I think that plus minus maybe 95 when I started out, but for sure throughout the 20th century, let's say the 20th century, I think that fashion was way more niche. It was um, not so much, I don't know, it was, I think for fashion designers, because your question is very much about fashion designer. I think lots of people were maybe not ashamed, but kind of like almost scared to become a fashion designer because it was not by the community seen as an incredible uh, thing. It was only by a small niche audience seen as an incredible thing. Mm -hmm. But I think lots of parents were fearing their son to become a fashion designer, for mm -hmm. example. So I think that says a lot about what, how things evolved because so much more people have a word about fashion, have something to say about it, have an interest, which is a positive thing, so I'm not really seeing this as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. It just changed a lot. I think it's just the environment of people has evolved so massively, you know? I think back in the days, brands were usually smaller format, mm -hmm. with some exceptions, and there were a lot of uh, designer-owned brands where I think over time, throughout the end of the 20th century, we saw a new phenomenon coming in, like the phenomenon creative director, mm -hmm. which is in a way not comparable, I think. If you are an, 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 a brand owner, a brand founder, it feels definitely different. I mean, to me, it feels definitely very different than when I'm a creative director, especially in terms of responsibility. I remember you once saying to me that it, you felt like you were kind of a, it, it was your responsibility to be kind of a custodian that you had to look after. This was actually when you were at Dior, that you had to kind of guard this brand and guide this brand, but that you realized that you would be going into it and at some point you would be coming out of it. Yeah. Whereas the difference with, with Raf Simmons is that you are Raf Simmons. Yes. And it is Raf Simmons and you can't kind of, extricate yourself or you wouldn't want to extricate yourself from that yeah big brands that work with creative di directors are in constant flux mm. and i think that we see also an, a phenomenon now that these time periods become shorter 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 yeah. shorter i don't know how if we should comment that <laughs> further but it's something i wasn't aware of in the early stage when i took chill mm -hmm. and i think throughout the year i started to realize that these brands although they can very much support you and they can very much make possibilities that relate to the actual desire mm -hmm. from the designer, these brands will usually exist forever, yeah. no matter who's there. Mm -hmm. Because they are extremely, extremely constructed on all the aspects that surround actual core of fashion 
which is still what, what I'm so, what I desire so much. Mm -hmm. The actual content and the actual emotion and the actual, uh, you know, creating of garments and how that relates to your big or small audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that most of the big brands, they're very, very, very much now driven by marketing mm -hmm. and growth. Do you think it's important for a, a designer to be involved in things like marketing, in that kind of, in a halo of things around the actual design? Do you think it, you know, do you think it helps when a designer is involved because they can determine how their work is communicated? Or conversely, do you think it's a hindrance because it is, you know, it can be a distraction from actually designing? It can be both, I think. Um, I think it's rare that a designer is good in all the aspects that are now these days defining fashion, fashion company, a fashion business. I'm definitely not good in all the aspects. I know that for myself. But then I think what is more important is that the, desire, the designer knows who to work with, mm -hmm. which is also not always your choice, but it's definitely your choice in your own company. Yeah. I think it's the, the core of success, mm -hmm. I think. Knowing which people you can work with, which people you can have, you can make a plan with. Yeah. Because it's a plan in a way, you know, mm -hmm. like no matter if it's a small plan or a big plan, it's, it's a plan. And I think as a creative director, it's more complicated because very much, most of these companies, they have everything in place. And then you come in and the focus is in the beginning very much obviously about the collections. You bring probably unusually some creatives in, mm -hmm. but I have been in places where I had to be involved to bring, for example, merchandising in or mm -hmm. commercial because they hadn't really sorted that out, or at least they hadn't sorted that out for that what I thought was what I needed to create for the brand to make it work. Yeah. So, but it's an endless kind of dialogue we can have about mm -hmm. that. All, all I want to say is that I think that the nature of both are very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, 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 in the big brands, you have so much more possibility financial very often in your own brand. Very often that's a, a constant struggle mm -hmm. is maybe not a word, although I think for some people struggle. We also had struggles over the 25 years in certain moments. But it's a different thing, you know, it's, yeah. um, it's a different thing. We're here and we're talking and you're talking, you know, very openly um, about, you know, your ideas about fashion. But I wonder, as a designer, do you think it's difficult for designers to have, to truly have a voice today? Both a literal voice, given the demands on, on your time, and also sometimes in terms of... Um, the idea of, of being properly heard in an industry that is so crowded. I don't feel like that. I, I don't feel like that for myself and I don't feel like that for other designers. I, maybe one aspect, yes, but not so much only because of the time. Obviously, time is a very complicated thing. It's always, and it, it was also like that in the 90s when I started out, I think, but now it's in a different way. I think most designers, they desire to communicate through their collections and whatever surrounds the collections, which could be the show or the presentation, the format, you know, like the imagery that you bring out in whatever way. And that's, if that's strong enough, it's enough, I think, also. 
is that enough to make things work? No, not always, I think. These days, less and less. But it's enough to fulfill the personal desire from the designer, I think. Mm. More complicated in terms of having a literal voice like what we do here right now is that these days you have to be very careful with what you say mm. because you get critiqued very quickly. And it makes, and I speak not only for myself, I speak for close designer friends in different positions. We, very, we, get, we get very scared to give an opinion where I think we all have very specific opinion. Mm. Once we are out there, it's clear that we want to say something. Otherwise, we wouldn't come out and, and, and do what we do. But it's very complicated to, to speak because you get critiqued on so much aspects so quickly. And I think it makes lots of us pull back in our thing and just try to do it with the things we are doing. It's kind of connected with that pop thing you were talking about earlier, the idea that, you know, if a designer becomes a kind of a pop figure, a public figure, then immediately when you say anything slightly controversial, there are lots of people listening and kind of wanting to pick up on that and it becomes a news story and, you know... I, yeah. and so the easiest thing is for people to kind of pull away and not say anything, or at least not to express an opinion. Yes. Yes, I got punished sometimes for <laughs> having big mouths. <laughs> um, I think kind of connected with that, I wonder how important is independence for you? And do you feel that that allows you creatively to speak more freely? Yeah, it's very important. It's uh, something I knew very early on. Uh, in the beginning, maybe not in the first three, four, five years, but right after we had a lot of opportunity to connect. And I think that the different positions I took on as creative director really learned me much more about my own brand than people would maybe think. Mm -hmm. And I still find very interesting, you know, like both. But it definitely learned me that I want to stay independent with my own brand, no matter what scale is. Mm -hmm. But then, that said, I also never really had a dream to... When I started out, some, some of you in the audience know it, I saw Walter, and I'm very thankful for him being such a um, promoter of young people. Mm -hmm. You know, I came from nowhere and I, I, could, I was welcomed there and he showed me things and, and was very inspiring. And he is somebody who's like, you have to do what you believe in. And, and I did. But, but at that point, it was such a small little kind of thought in my own head. I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, that I also never really thought about a big company or a big name or a big brand. I just wanted to make clothes, like the few friends that I had here, most of them who showed in this building, Win Walter and some other people here probably who are teaching here. So, and pretty much I never really changed, I have to say. I am very, very at ease with what my company is about. I think the only thing what I want to fight for is that it is safe, safe for me and safe for the people that work with me on the long run. Mm -hmm. You know, that there is no struggle, that there is no too much financial struggle. If you have your own brand, I think you, it's really up to you yourself to make the decision to stay Independence. Yeah, what I was saying is that then towards the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, we got a lot of proposals. Mm -hmm. But the, the different positions in the creative, as creative director, learned me how dangerous, is, how dangerous it can be when you, when you marry in business. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, prior to me, John was a big example, you know, yeah. because he lost his own brand because he sold it for the majority. Yeah. I think, you know, and that's something I will never forget. I was like, don't touch my breath. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's any link between that kind of independent ideology and being Belgian? Because Belgian designers are known for this incredibly kind of idiosyncratic, very singular approach. And I wonder, you know, there's a degree of removal here from traditional fashion capitals, as I found out when I got lost on the train coming here today. Um, but, you know, do, do you think being based here, being, you know, coming from Belgium, do you think that gives you a different point of view on fashion? Yeah, I guess I, that's... Uh, I'm brought up that way. Mm. Does that mean that that's the only way? No, but I, I'm definitely brought up that way. That's, I got it spooned in like that. As I said, interning at Walter and staying with Walter for a few years, you know, we kept on doing things together. He brought me to all these places and I saw all that independency, which mm -hmm. was incredible to see. But it was for me also the only thing I knew. I did not, when I was in the early stage of my brand or when I was working with Walter and a few years in between, I wasn't aware of LVMH brands and all that kind of stuff and, mm -hmm. and creative director positions. I just saw Anne and Walter and Dirk van Saane and Dirk Bickenbergs and Dries van Noorten and Marta Margiela having their own thing. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was very like, that's what I want, you know? And so maybe it was a good thing also at the end that... It desire to be, it was very family feeling to me mm. also. All of them individual, individually, you know, I could see very fast how they had for themselves created something very often with people that they related to, you know. Somebody was doing the bookkeeping, somebody was doing production. It was very independent for sure. And I, I still think that's the beauty, you know. I see my own company um, as family. Mm. It's interesting because at that point in time, to say that you weren't aware of things like LVMH brands, I don't think people could say that today. I don't think there's a way you could say you're not aware of, you no. know, you're operating with this kind of avant-garde level of designers and you're not aware of these big designers I think now yeah. everything is kind of together and you can't be aware of one, not be aware of the other. There isn't no. even that separation anymore. No, but also it goes in all directions. It's about press offices. It's about, uh, you know, the stores, uh, the distribution. I think maybe because we were unaware, we also ended up doing the things we did the way we did it because I still started out, for the young kids here, it might sound strange, but I started out without a computer with a fax machine on a roll, you know, there was not, I mean, like there, there, there was no access to the global fashion world, except for a TV program maybe. And then months and months and months later, the magazines, mm -hmm. system was different. Not, nothing was out on the day of the show. The show would be a small, select, specialized audience. They kind of all filled in their own roles maybe but it doesn't sounds like a factory but you know like you would have the people who would review it and then you would have the people who would work with the clothes 
create desire again by making incredible photo shoots in incredible magazines with incredible content that would then bring people to the stores into a physical environment experiencing the clothes. So the time frame was six months. Mm -hmm. And now it's just the moment that the show is happening, you already, it's not even after the show, it's like you see the silhouette while it's happening. So I, I don't know now where that is going to go. Mm. Uh, when I was at Dior, I felt there was an incredible pressure from the outside on me to be with me while I was designing, while I was in the studio. Press wanted to be there. Press mm. wanted to, to be in the fittings. And then you like, do all the previews, speak with all the press, like days before you show. I, I didn't like that <laughs> at all. And it was mainly because one person was very much at ease with it. So I don't criticize other people from doing it, but like, because other people do something, it should not become a system for everybody, I think. Yeah. That is maybe the more the, this thing that I got from the beginning from here in Antwerp, because, you know, it was very independent feeling also all of them. I think what Walter was doing was completely something else than what Martin was doing, completely something else than what Ries was doing. There was a community, which I still think is important, mm -hmm. the community of designers being able to relate to each other one way or another, talk about each other's misery, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they have to do a good job, you know, they have to create their own world, mm -hmm. which is then also going to find all these different audiences that relate to that. They weren't imitating each other's working processes or ticking boxes, trying to tick each other's boxes or anything like that. It was, it was again, about independence, even within that group. Yeah, like, they, I think the Belgian designers, they ha had also a method that was kind of similarity. I remember Dries and Walter and Dirk van Sanen sharing the same building. But then they, they had, I mean, they had independent uh, creative language. Mm -hmm. But then they would also group themselves to show in Paris in a hotel, for yeah. example, or go to London together. That's something else. That's not very different to me than when everybody just shows in the same week in London or in the same week in Paris. Mm -hmm. That's just to make it easy and comfortable for everybody, also the people that surround the, 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 the design houses. Mm -hmm. We've talked a bit there about big business, independence. I wonder, do you think Today, it's difficult to challenge this, what I feel is a dogma that a large and a constantly growing company is the only measure of success. Yeah, it's horrible, I think. Most of the reviews that I read in mainly big established, I don't know, online, whatever, they are always judging it from an economical point of view. And I find that very frustrating for everybody. Now, at the same time, I think over time you also learn to really know what, what is, to kind of find out for yourself what is it that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And um, so then you can also push that away. But I think it's absolutely no criterion to be judged on when you are creative uh, a person. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think that it has anything to do with the amount of audience you have or the amount of stores you are uh, selling to or how much you are growing your company over the years. Mm, I don't think it's right. I think 
Sometimes also I see that it's like really very shitty collections, but then they get praised just because the business is doing extremely yeah. well. I think also, you know. It's this idea that I, I, I use this phrase, which I think is, is actually very interesting. The idea that you tie creative legitimacy to commerce. It's not even saying if something is good or bad. It's saying it, it needs to be the only way that it can be legitimate is if it sells a lot, which I think is, is something that's incredibly damaging because when designers or any, you know, anybody in any field, when you're experimenting, it takes a while for people to kind of catch on to that. It takes a mm. while for that to become pop. Mm. It can't be pop at the, you know, it has to be avant-garde before it can be absorbed. And I think when people don't want to search for something new and maybe a bit disturbing is the point when we end up with something that's just incredibly dull and boring and marketed and focus grouped into, we know this will sell X number of units, mm. as opposed to, and that, you know, will this sell X number of units, as opposed to asking, well, is this any good? Yeah, it's a network, of course, also, and this whole thing is all connected. Like, it took me a while to find out as well. It's like, why do they keep on writing so good about that brands? Of course, they are an advertiser, blah, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. It's... Um, yeah, it's different. You know, I think that the the, the 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 maybe the disadvantage of what there was, of course, a big advantage to the uh, to the explosion of how opinion can be shared and opinion can be uh, can travel throughout the world between people, what, whether if it's professional people or just audience. But then I think there is no more. There doesn't seem to be a filter anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and, and I think that when, when things are so related to only the business aspects of a brand, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, maybe it's a too complicated dialogue. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think for most designers, it's painful. Yeah. You know, I, in, in all honesty, I would also find it even painful if behind my back they would really hate the clothes, year in, year out, year in, year out, but then they would say like, oh, what a great brand because it's doing very well. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, I'm also questioning when I read sometimes the reviews, then maybe because they have big business together, they are advertisers, I guess they have to write something. And if the collection is that shitty, you have to write about how good the business is. Yeah. No. Um... <laughs> um, do I have to pose a question now? What? No. <laughs> I've got more questions. Um, and this is an interesting one, actually, after that one. Do you, do you still feel yourself getting excited by fashion? Do you yeah. still feel moved by fashion? Because you've Every talked day. before about being really kind of emotionally moved, specifically from the, the first Margiela show you went to. Do you, I'm not necessarily saying, do you receive the, the same emotional, you know, lightning bolt that you got back then, but do you still find yourself being moved by it, being stimulated by it, being excited? Every day. I, every day I feel, you know, inspired and emotioned when I just work with my team or how a close circle of people react to the things we are doing together. If I see somebody in the street, it always hits me. If I see somebody in the street wearing clothes 
um, also other people's work. I, I, if, if I have to be really honest, I think I might become more and more um, stimulated and emotionally fulfilled or just feeling happy thinking about things I know since a long time, weirdly mm -hmm. enough, and I don't know if it is because I've been walking this path now for 25 years, so you get to see a lot. Over the years, you always get to see more and more and more, and you know more and more and more, so maybe, maybe you're not so naively, quickly overwhelmed anymore mm -hmm. as maybe 25 years ago, even before you started out. So I keep coming back to people like Marta. I keep coming back to people like Helmut Lang, which never changed and it will probably never change. Mm -hmm. But it's, of course, also broader than that. This, we are talking about fashion specifically, you know. It also goes in, 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 in so much different kind of uh, cultural or uh, creative activities, you know, like art or film or whatever. But I don't know for myself, still not today, I don't know if I find, uh, maybe, I, I, maybe I find less things new. Mm -hmm. Is that specific to fashion or is it something you find in art as well? It's, it's... No, at the end of the 80s when I, you know, started looking and then, you know, and then during your studies and then when I started coming to Antwerp, I thought everything was new. Mm. I thought Martin was new, Communication was new, you know, all the Belgians, I thought it was, it's also new. It's also avant-garde, so mm -hmm. extreme, so, whoa, energy. And, and that I miss a lot mm -hmm. here and there. And, but I don't know if it is because, I, because, it's, because I'm too deep into it. But then I wonder why do I, don't, why do I not have that with fashion, but I have that with art. I even have it with movies. I even have it with television series. You can ask my team. Every day I talk about television <laughs> series. I think there was such a, there was so much people with daring, bringing out daring TV shows mm -hmm. with controversial topics, incredible new way of, you know, like making building scenarios and, and, and like in fashion, I think it's a little like that now. But I guess also it's because you're within it and you're embedded in it. And, you know, maybe there's something in, in that as well. When you're working within it, it's, it's, it's not going to have that flash of newness. Although I do agree with you, I don't think there is the kind of the newness and the excitement. And you know that I'm a, you know, I have a nostalgia. And I go and look at things that used to excite me and they still excite me in the way that they used to but I'm not finding... I do find some people that excite me now, but yeah, of course. I feel like it's not as much as it was even kind of 10 or 15 years ago. Please don't ask me names. No, 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 we're I not going to... <laughs> <laughs> that really bad one. I, I, I think that young people should not be so scared anymore to kick ass. Mm. I think... I think it's a, 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 a generational thing. And I miss that very much now. And I have to go back again to something that was happening here in Antwerp when I was young. From those six designers that we all know so well, there was one really scared and mad that I came in. And there was another one extremely supporting and promoting that I came in. I think everything's set with that. Mm. Designers should not fear new generations. They should promote new generations because that's what fashion as a global community stimulates and activates and keeps going. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's important. So I like young people to come in and really make the difference. And maybe they're going to look, make us look very stupid and old. It's a, it's a normal thing. It's, I mean, Martin and Ray, they, they, they kicked out Mugler and Gauthier and everybody, you know, they kicked them out. That's a normal thing. And then it makes the older generations fight also. But it's something that's maybe missing a little bit, I feel. I feel yeah. like even when I started, you know, 15 years ago, there were designers who you really felt were in competition with each other. Yeah. And they were, you know, trying to, not trying to do what anyone else was doing, but they were trying to be more creative than each other. And they were trying yeah, to yeah. be more challenging and push forward. And they wanted to be the best. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like now actually what people want to do is sell the most. And that's a, it's a different measure of success is if you're selling more black jackets than the other person is selling. Yeah, I, I don't know that, but I feel, I feel definitely competitive with some people and they feel competitive with me, but we're also friends. Yeah. You know? um, do you think emotion is essential to fashion or at least to how you perceive fashion? Yeah, I think emotion is essential to a lot of things. Yeah, it is for me, it is for sure. And I wondered, in terms of your work, what emotions are you seeking to express? I don't know. I think it's a difficult topic to talk about emotion. Usually it's what I can't explain very much. It's just much that's so intimate, I think, that whole definition of emotion. Um, I know when something touches, I feel the moment when something touches. It's always usually also showing very clearly, unfortunately. <laughs> but... Um, uh, it, and I can feel also what it means for another person. And I think that's maybe one of my main drives. Mm -hmm. I can feel, you know, let's say audience in general, people who embrace the brand, follow the brand, discover the brand. I can feel that. And I, it's, it's probably maybe more, one, one of my main drives also, emotion mm -hmm. in that sense. You know, like... When, to make I hear, that means yeah, when I hear somebody, somebody and they explain what it means, and I, I, I always come back to when I was young and I had this incredible desire to connect to a brand. And when I say connect to a brand, I didn't think like I'm going to meet that desire. And that was out of the question, the idea that you would even ever be in the same space with that designer. Yeah. But I connected to it. Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, I'm part of that world. Even if I couldn't buy it, and then when at one point you buy a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then it really feels like this kind of emotional connection. Like, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people call it maybe a gang or something. I don't know. I think you have all these different... It's also something I miss in fashion, if I have to be honest now these days. I think when I went in the early days to Paris, again, it was Walter taking me. We all know the story. First show... No, third show from Martin... And I think the same evening, Walter, if you correct me, or the day after, the day before, Jean-Paul Gaultier's massive blockbuster show, mm. introduction of Junior Gaultier, Nene Sherry dancing on a chair, all the nuns coming out of the ground, two massive, big, different fashion impacts. <laughs> but they had their own clans. Yeah. You would be there queuing for that show, and there was... Gautier clan people, then you would have Martha clan people, and you would have Anne de Meulemeester clan people, and 
I don't feel that anymore so much now. I think that changed. You have it maybe in a small, a small amount, but I think back in the days, people ran for a brand. That's my brand. I go for the brand. I stay on that brand forever. And I think right now, people embrace lots of brands. Is it bad? Is it good? It's not up to me to judge that. Mm. I don't know. But I think the amazing thing is you do. You have a tribe. There are people that buy yours and there are people that buy your clothes and people for whom your clothes mean a hell of a lot. Yeah, but I think every brand has that. But I, I, I don't think that it's for every brand so much the case anymore that the people that follow your brand very dedicated are only wearing your brand. Mm. If I have to be really honest, if I would have had the money at the time, nothing would have existed for me to wear except Helmut Lang. Mm -hmm. The rest was, I could be very interested and inspired, not my brand, yeah. Helmut Lang. And if I would have been a woman, Marta. Mm -hmm. Point. But that's not the case. Now people can be extremely into Celine, but they will still have a bag from something else or a shoe maybe, or you know what I mean? It's more, yeah. but it's not a bad thing. It's just, I, all I want to say is very different. It's that, that's how fashion shifts all the time to a new kind of system is not the word, but al although I think that right now everything becomes very systematic, more and more systematic and, and in a hardcore way, too much connected to the, the, the time schedules that relate purely and only to commerce mm -hmm. and economics. Yeah. With all the pre-collections and, and the cruise collections. And, I mean, it does, doesn't count for my brand, but... Um, my last question before I ask some of the public questions is, and off the back of that, it's an interesting question to ask, do you feel like the clothes you design are anti-fashion? And do you feel like you are fighting that fashion, this fashion system that we have today? And if not fighting it, are you at least... Are you trying to question it? Definitely question it. Maybe fight a little bit, you know. <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah, I think want to stay young in the way of thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that I, I don't want to give in with the brands. I don't want to give in to what I see, what so many brands give in to, you know, like they could be so interesting, starting out so interesting and then at the end commercialize that it becomes a very flat kind of business only thing and they seem to be totally at ease and, at, and comfortable with it and I think it's not in me. I think for my brand, I think I just also want to keep on having that kind of typical emotion that I am constantly seeking for. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that means that sometimes you have to give things from which you know that they won't like it or they won't be ready for it, but at least it's going to create dialogue or it's going to make them think about what it eventually could be. Yeah. Um, You're not going to surrender? Never. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ask some of the public questions now, as long as technology doesn't fail me. Okay. So one question, which is interesting to hear from you because it's not one that I've asked, but you're always very eloquent when we have talked about it, is where and from what do you find inspiration? Mm. 
everywhere. I think it's maybe the most difficult question to answer at the same time, the easiest, because it can be anything. I think sometimes the team probably thinks that I'm driving them crazy because it can just be at any time, at any... I'm not the kind of designer that needs to uh, sit on a desk and start thinking how to do, what to do, like, like... Let's take this time to be inspired or whatever, or travel to be inspired. It's not in me. It's all the time. If I can look at this stupid rock and think, God, I should not forget <laughs> thinking about it and texting it to my team because that's and that is what I feel or think. It's at all times. And it is also not connected to a moment in time. You know, it can be a word, can be a... An, an, a it's difficult to explain. It's, it's everything. I think. Um, how do you, as a designer, think about digital developments in fashion? <laughs> but the example this person gives, which I think is very interesting, is 3D design to produce prototypes. Mm. So it does, it's not kind of about social media or internet or any of that kind of stuff. Are you thinking about kind of digital technologies in terms of being able to produce new things? We haven't so far, I have mm. to say. Um, I mean, there was even, could be I definitely. think, the last collection was kind of a reaction maybe against that because there was a was lot of the happy stuff. Like, we are very, I'm very into, uh, into the, the opposite mood of being very present in the atelier with the people who, you know, like, make patterns and sew. And we, are, we have been constructing the company in the last two seasons a little different there to be, to be, to be more... I mean, in our way, don't think too extreme, more couture house-like, you know, like mm -hmm. more this kind of intimacy between the people who make and the people who think and the people who design and the people who's, you know, that it's, we also only do men. So for a long time, we did not shape up physically in the company, in the company building, you know, like we would work a lot with our suppliers in Italy who would help us out, of course, with their patterns and then it would come back to us and we would fit it. And now lately I'm changing that again because that is something I have to say that I find very pleasant working with a house like Dior. It's an incredible experience to see things shaping up when you can do it together with them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's pretty far away from the 3D technology kind of thing. I also am not informed enough about possibilities there, but mm -hmm. could be definitely interesting. Except for, of course, you know, we've been doing for more than 10 years runners, which mm -hmm. is a very different process of how you design and develop it. So there it's way more, um, we have way more connection to the technical uh, developments that have been happening in the past decades in, in that area of the business. Thank you for listening. Would you like to experience a Flanders DC talk in real life? Check our events on our website at flandersdc.be slash agenda.